0: It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by the newly released book, The Entrepreneur Mindset Shift, Growth Characteristics of Success by Robert C. Peterson. Available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at addvalue2life.com slash shift. Just wanted to mention this episode was recorded earlier. And as our audience grows, we just wanted to share some of the value from our earlier episodes. My guest today, Charles Spolstra, has trained as a joy specialist. He's a mindset coach with training in NLP and hypnosis and a healing prayer facilitator. Charles has 14 years of experience as a spiritual counselor and he's currently working as a coach counselor at Broken Chains International and is developing his own teachings and materials in his new venture, the Joyful Identity Group. Charles and his wife, Dawn, a wellness advocate for doTERRA essential oils, live with their two boys, Leaf and Owen, and their dog Pippin in Marietta, Georgia. As a family, they love to go on adventures cycling, snowboarding, and surfing, and doing off-road triathlons with friends and family. And Charles, I am so grateful that you're willing to to share with us today. And I just look forward to learning more about you, your fledgling business and just your journey as as an entrepreneur, but also your journey as as a man. And so um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your 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 path to starting your own business?
1: Great. Um, Well, I've been in ministry uh, for since around 2006 as a a counselor in lay ministry. And kind of like a missionary working on support, um, financial support from people so that I could work with people who couldn't always afford the full price. Um, And that's been a great journey. It's been really wonderful. And I've learned so many things over the years. In recent years, I've gotten into coaching and into studying hypnotherapy because I really was focused on helping people to heal and to transform and renew their minds. So those steps have all led me to realize that I want to create something of my own. And I am, like I told you before, a fledgling entrepreneur. Um, And what I'm hoping to create is really a community that's focused on joy, that's focused on helping people to shift from functioning in fear to functioning in joy. It's going to be focused on brain science, on practical exercises and skill building for helping um, married couples, parents and children, families, even um, single people or people who are dating to to build stronger relationships, to build better bonds and to learn the brain skills that help them to do that. So I'm using every means available to, uh, to help people do that. And I just really want to build something because I want to be able to help more people. That's where I'm coming from kind
0: of that is so exciting and and what a great um purpose to align with your passion i mean those obviously joy is a choice but but so few people understand that that they have that choice to make yes (laughs) yes by default (laughs) yeah
1: you know we're created in such a way that our brains run on joy that's what brain sciences have discovered that For infants, the way they grow a human brain is by seeking the eyes and the look and the sparkle from another person, from their mother, their primary caregiver, whoever that is. And they really literally grow the front of their brain into a healthy, mature human being through smiling, through eye contact. And that's really the the neurological definition of joy. You, You see someone else, you see that they're glad to be with you, and you share that energy back and forth between you. So that's kind of the core of what I give to people. And you can help people turn a marriage around. You can turn a relationship around just by realizing that making the choice to focus on that joy and seek it can change everything. So,
0: man, yeah. I love that. That is, that is so fantastic. Yeah. So, what, what pursued you to, to, to move into this area of brain science?
1: Well, you know, I was into healing and listening prayer is what I called it for a long time, really learning to connect with God. but And I was on my own journey of healing. The reason I got into counseling was for my own sake, because I had some pretty messed up programming in my childhood. You know, I grew up in a religious environment that wasn't terrible, but it also was mixed. You know what I mean? There was a lot of negativity and there was a lot of shame and there was a lot of guilt and learning to get free of that is a lot of what I started out doing as a counselor, teaching people about grace, teaching people their identity as spiritual beings. But at a certain point, someone came along who became a mentor to me. Her name was Barbara Moon and she came to our organization where I was working. And I had quite an experience of healing, of connecting with God on a deep level and experiencing a huge transformation in my heart Um, that got me moving in this direction of joy at the same time this lady Barbara um, she's an older woman you know older than my mother and she started to teach me about brain science and how it was actually important that we pay attention to our brains and that we train them to focus on joy and to learn certain mental and emotional skills that maybe we didn't fully get as children so I would say the big catalyst for that though was my own becoming a father because when you when you become a father you are entering a new stage of maturity where skills are needed where you need to be self-giving in a way you never have before and you need to not ask for anything in return Uh, and that i think something inside me knew that that this was going to be hard and i was anxious as a dad so i got into the journey i don't want to say it was for my kids but it was for the relationship with my kids i wanted to keep being able to influence them and help them and, and grow but i knew i had some growing to do before them so I, what i actually did was i went to years of training in with an organization called ThriveToday.org, and they train these brain skills they take you in for a week and they teach you right brain skills training and then you go home for a year and you do the exercises with your person, which in my case was my wife. So it formed our bond. And through the years of doing that, my wife and I have become, we're at the level now where we're ready to be trainers for them. We're going to go do training in Denver, actually. In October, we're going to be joy trainers. So that journey has led me to say, well, I want to share this with people too. So I want to create my own organization that can share this joy. So my name for my organization, and it's just a baby organization is the joyful identity group, because I want people to realize that it's in human community that we build our sense of who we are, that we build our, our identity. And if we didn't get it as kids or whatever we didn't get in our family or in our church, we can still grow that with other intentional people now.
0: Wow, that's so exciting! What a it is. what a, what a great journey and, and what a great way to be used in the world, right? To,
1: yeah, to, to be
0: influencing yeah. people. Yeah, I uh, I, I just finished the the big leap by uh, Gay Hendricks, and uh, you know he his very first chapter right off the bat is asking you know if you could if you understand that you have the choice between misery and happy or, or joy, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to choose? Why wouldn't you choose, you know, happy, right? Why wouldn't you choose yeah. uh, to feel better today? Like, if, yeah. And and so he starts right off with that, that question. And it, it's kind of the,
1: uh, uh, what do hypnotists call it? Uh, <laughs> the, and em- it could be an empowering question.
0: Well, empowering, but the, when you start your session, you know, what, if we get the best result, you know, what would that look like?
1: Yes. What is your outcome?
0: (laughs) Yeah. You find that outcome. And, and, and it's, it, it's so we make, we make it so complicated, right? Like, like, you know, we have all these excuses and all this history and all this pattern of, of, well, guilt and shame and, and self deprivation and, And just the idea that, well, I don't deserve to feel that way, or I'm supposed to feel bad, I'm supposed to feel guilty. And, and, and we set ourselves up to stay in that place rather than just say, no, I, I, regardless of my conditions or circumstances, I can choose to be joyful. I can choose to, no matter what anybody says to me, no matter what events have happened to me, I, I can choose joy. and, And I have that power. And it's, it's simple. And yes, yes. it's so difficult to, to make that transition, right? To to actually have the awareness of it. And then to actually, you know, start applying it in your life.
1: Is, yes. It, awareness is Awareness is everything. Because a lot of times we're programmed, like, I don't have anything against the church I grew up in. And I'm mm-hmm. grateful for the people that loved me and taught me all the things they taught me. But I kind of learned the opposite of joy. A lot of times I learned to choose shame more often than not. I learned to choose guilt. And so you ask that question, why wouldn't you choose joy? Well, there's actually an answer to that because you've been programmed to choose negativity. And I see it in in people that I love very much. And I, and I I just see their minds. they, They, they worry incessantly, or they, they have a view of God, even that's extremely negative. They don't know they do because they haven't awakened to become aware, you know? But there's a, there's another question I like to ask, and that's like, how can I choose joy today? Like, why wouldn't I? That's a good question. How can I is actually practical, and you get more of what you focus on, and what Absolutely. you focus on is what you feel. So instead of just rehashing problems and going, oh, why am I the way I am? Mm-hmm. I start to ask, how can I be the way I wanna be? And focusing on joy, paying attention to opportunities for joy, is a great way to do that. I'll give you an example. I made this exercise up for some couples I lead this week, and I hope this will bring value. It's a 30 second joy microburst.
0: Nice. So,
1: joy is anytime you make left eye to left eye contact with another person, which we can't really do through the computer, but it's kind of like that. Like we keep lighting each other up, and you see that that person sees you. You know, I see you. I'm glad to be with you. They can smile, but they don't have to. Anytime that happens, you, the front of your brain lights up and you grow your joy capacity. So, For these couples, I thought, you know, let's make it really easy. Some of the exercises take three to five minutes. I thought, let's do a 30-second microburst. So I taught them, and my wife and I have begun to practice this. Sit down and link it to something else you do. So for us, we decided when we sit at the dinner table, we're going to do this. It takes 30 seconds. The first 10 seconds, which is two breaths, one breath in, one breath out, and again, you keep your eyes closed and you let yourself rest and you let yourself just get fully present. Because joy really arises out of quiet. And after two breaths, you you kind of synchronize and you both open your eyes. And you just let the other person see for two more breaths that you're there, that you're glad to be with them, and you look them in the eye. And then after, really, in the middle of the second breath, as you breathe out, you just let yourself close your eyes. And then you rest for another two breaths with your eyes closed and just enjoy the good feelings that come with joy. Now that's really short, 30 seconds is pretty quick, but it actually is a little workout for your brain to make that eye contact and to make that connection. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I love that. Well, and then the presence, just the, the statement of presence yes. in, in looking at somebody's face. Yes is is Sorry. so powerful and and i you've mentioned a couple of things like um realizing that you're going to be a parent and recognizing the need to break the cycle right because so much of what we do as a parent is we parent the way our parents parented and and so you know well we parent the way we perceived that our parents parented and, that's right and and that's it's it's hard to recognize that you can do something different, right? There's a different way. So the only example you've had of of a father for most people is how their their father or multiple fathers, if their family you know had that experience, fathered them. Yeah. Um, and and of course, then it's also your perception of how they how you were fathered and the stories you've told yourself about yeah. how you were fathered. Yeah. And yeah. and if you don't break the cycle, that that's what the church has the opportunity, and, and lots of churches do it well, right? Help people recognize that they can change their past, future. Um, I think sometimes the church gets so caught up in in the, the negative sin behavior, you know, label, rather than, you know, future new life, mm-hmm. <laughs> new mm-hmm. opportunity. Um, you know, the, the whole born again is... Is so valuable because it really is a break with the past. You don't have to repeat the same cycles over again. And so same thing as a father. Um, my opportunity to break the cycles. And and my wife and I both have have our fathers had our fathers in our lives and and had a good relationship with them. And both our fathers were, were still married. You know, to our mothers. and
1: mm.
0: so we had good examples, and yet there's still things that that we could do different and we could do um, better, I don't know, if different better, but but we could do to empower our children and and uh, um, and so i love I love that you're rec- I mean that recognition as a parent, right, to be able to I, I want to provide a different world. <laughs> for my children. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I want to help them have different kind of even environment and training and programming. And I haven't perfectly succeeded. One of my kids enjoys it a lot. My other child sometimes says, this is kind of traumatic. I don't like this joy stuff, you know, and and I know he doesn't fully mean that, but it's interesting. You talk about fathers because actually the people who really give us this part of our brain that I'm helping people to train the right brain is our mother. And it, it, 80% 80% of your growth in your joy center in your brain is usually with your mom in the first two years of life. Dad's really important. He comes around two, three, four years old and, and onward, and he definitely builds joy with us. But the initial part with that mom plays is so big that the scientists call the this part of the brain the mother core. That's kind of their nickname for it. Because It's nonverbal signals between you and your mom. The look on her face when she looks at you, if she lights up when she sees you, you know how you see a baby and you go, ah, and the baby, you know, smiles bigger and bigger. That actual nonverbal activity is what grows this part of us with the most strength. So both mothers and fathers are really important, but mommy is usually the first one who builds your sense of, I am a loved person someone's glad to be with me and then you internalize that and you carry that sense of another who loves you inside your brain and that's your joyful identity does that make sense
0: oh absolutely like and 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 as a having been a father and recognizing that my wife i mean obviously those first 2 years her yeah. role is primary right she's yeah. she's the food source she's the, <laughs> the joy source she's the caretaker now i stepped in and and i was able to help in that, but I could never replace no, the, the role no. that she filled. And so I can fill in, I can fill in spots, but I could certainly see my children attached to my wife, you know, simply because of, of her role in, yeah. in feeding and in and in cuddling and caring. And, and yeah. so, yeah, that's that. Yeah. And I, and certainly see how that, and that's early brain work. And so you're, you're that, that's, that's going way back obviously yeah. in, in my entrepreneur journey as, as a business coach i I try to help people focus on you know their their upper limits right the the upper limits that have been planted in in the same way right and yeah. so so you're going a little deeper in so it's not just things people have been told it's actual your feelings and experiences all the way yeah. from from childhood yeah um, so people really
1: tough. They do. And in a bond with a trusted partner, like a spouse, or even I've seen people do this with their kids, or even a really close friend, you can reprogram that part of your brain to be more secure in the way it bonds with people. Because our bonding, our relationships is really what makes business work. Businesses don't run on just practical things. Those are important. They actually run on morale, connection, vision, relationship, There's a great book called rare leadership by marcus warner and chris corsi that covers a lot of the places where brain science meets business organization and how leadership works and it turns out that developing this part of your brain and actually doing the practices with sharing joy changes the way you do organization the way you coach you know so it it's there's some pretty cool stuff you know there's a lot out there about eq in business emotional intelligence and this is sort of that but it's it's like emotional intelligence meets attachment theory if i could say that it's like how do we humans develop a healthy relational brain and how can we do that best how can we help people do that so a lot of wow. times there's a lot of times there's holes in our own experience like it just for example like if your mom was feeling insecure or depressed during the 6 to 9 months the first 6 to 9 months of your life that's a huge Trauma, believe it or not, and it's something that needs to be healed and dealt with, and almost like rebuilt through relationship with other people. It's not not easy to solve, but it, it's important to recognize that it's there so that you can remove obstacles to to moving forward in a healthy way.
0: Wow, yeah, yeah, that's that's impressive. Like, I mean, it, obviously, helping people. Build relationships, and, and like you said, in business, relationship is everything. I think it um, is. We talk a lot about connection and the values, the value of connection. And now you're taking connection even even a step deeper. Um, yeah, I'm a firm believer that the brain is is a like uh, Napoleon Hill would call it a radio, right? Like it's it's a sender mm-hmm. and a receiver. And yes. It's sending out. It's sending out communication, and it's receiving communication. Anytime you enter a room, anytime. I mean, I think it, it's doing it. I believe through you know our connection to the Holy Spirit. You yes, know. They, Napoleon Hill would call it the ether, but essentially, there's there, our brain signals are are traveling, irregardless of distance, and so yeah. it's uh it's super super powerful, and and to understand that that can be reprogrammed, and that that can be um, programmed to be doing sending positive vibes and yeah and, and making positive connections i mean that's that's so yeah. powerful can um, i
1: pick that up for a moment because absolutely. that's that's really at the center of what i do as well i don't broadcast this to everyone because i want people to feel welcome no matter what they believe or don't believe i'm I'm not just a christian thing i want to i'm actually really interested in all of the different places that people come from and so i have no trouble calling it the ether if you will but i really do believe our brain is a receiver of non-local consciousness. You know, as someone who's brought up Christian, I go, well, that's spirit, God's spirit. And we're meant to have a secure bond with the love that surrounds us and fills us. And everyone actually has that, but we don't always know. It's like our receiver is not working properly. So for for example, one of the things I do with people, the easiest way to get connected with God and to hear God is to just enter into a state of appreciation. And appreciation is gratitude, on steroids. That's how I say it. Appreciation is gratitude plus noticing how it feels in your body when you think about this thing that you're really grateful for. So, um, you know, you think of, just take a minute to think of like one of your favorite places you've ever been in the world and just a beautiful experience that you had there and put yourself into that place in your mind, see it, feel it from inside your body, start to notice the good feelings that happen in your body in relation to that place and that experience, and maybe even the people who were with you there, you enter into that. And all of a sudden you've, you've begun to light up the part of your brain that is the communicator with God and with people. You've lit up your relational circuits. um, I call them um, the front of the brain. And when that's lit up, everything feels more creative, focused, um, flexible, there's a lot of freedom, and you feel what you're feeling, and you feel what other people are feeling. And you you can even sense what God's thinking, what God's feeling when you light that part of you up. So I spend a lot of time, and one of the things I'm going to build out to begin my business as I'm working is a course in appreciation. How to do that and to connect with your true self, if you want to call it that, with your spirit, with God. However you think of that, you can connect with the ether, if you want to use that language, and begin to download and receive the love and the joy and, and the creativity and the energy that you need to do what you want to do in your in your life, you know.
0: Absolutely. And I, that is so fantastic. I always we talk about gratitude a lot and, and I like so I like appreciation that you're taking gratitude to another it's the level. next level it's
1: like gratitude yeah. plus a body meditation on what that gratitude feels like in your body and just multiply it 10 times i mean we double that gratitude triple that gratitude you know that's,
0: feel that's it. so fantastic i i always teach you know the quickest way to change your vibration the quickest way to change your attitude right yeah. is is gratitude like it yeah it it doesn't require any any effort at all to take a minute and say gosh i'm i'm grateful for this and this and this all right and that and that changes right changes your vibration and so i like that you're sharing the idea of appreciation where not only do you take the time to be grateful for these three things but then what is the feeling that that evokes within you and actually actually being aware of the feeling and 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 really putting your your focus on that and so that's just so
1: powerful in Changing attitude and so powerful and recreating that connection. Yeah. Gratitude takes practice. Like I've, you know, I didn't get into counseling cause I was all happy go lucky and I am a joyful person, but I also struggled with depression and anxiety my whole life. So learning how to shift my state from depression or anxiety into a state of gratitude has been a, a lifelong pursuit. I, I listened to Tim. Tim Ferriss interview with Tony Robbins years ago and there was an 8 minute segment that was a, an appreciation meditation and Tony is actually quite a good hypnotist he doesn't advertise that but he's he's really good and and in 8 minutes he took you from a stressful situation in your life through three or four things you were deeply grateful for he fully associated you with gratitude and then he brought you back to the situation that was troubling you and asked your heart what do I need to remember what do I need to know about this Well, I took a recording in that in the midst of struggling with depression and I, I would use it and it would shift me every time, you know, the, the, the rhythm of it, the pacing. And I would just, I still use it to this day. And I want to create things like that for people. You know, I don't think I'm Tony Robbins, but you know, be fun to, to share that kind of energy with people so they can make the shift. It's not always easy to do alone. that's why I, I create meditations. I do this with people so that our brains work better together. If I can, through my voice and my choice of words and my way of leading you into it, if you can have that experience, it's like I've just I've just given you some value. I've just benefited, you know.
0: So, oh, I mean, it's it's life changing, right? If, yeah. Not just in that moment, but but can be longer term life changing if you recognize the the value and power of repeating it.
1: Yes. And, and continuing. Yeah. Yeah so my my appreciation reset is this you, you where the way you grew up in your home set your thermostat in your brain for a certain joy level and whatever the joy levels were in the home is what your brain expects now for your joy level to be so if it was pretty low joy if it was disconnected you could be you could have been in a very functional family but they just weren't re- as relationally connected well you can reset that thermostat in about 30 days if you do appreciation three times a day you start to set your brain to notice the good stuff and to really enjoy your life. So I did that and I've never stopped. I just kept doing appreciation. I want to stay in that beautiful state all day every day. And when I'm out of it, I just go, "Okay, I want to get back in that state." You
0: know. Right. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's not uh, joy is obviously I think joy is foundational to the others, but we, we have a, a limit. A therm- I like the thermostat idea because we have an upper limit on our relationship ability. Like we have an upper limit on, you know, say I'm ai am a six and, you know, my wife's a 10. Like that's too far, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's too big of a gap to close. Really? But um, we have upper limits on our beliefs about money and, and success. And, and all of those things have been pro- pre-programmed. And I think... Reprogramming joy is the first step in in changing your programming in those other areas. Because yeah. if, if you get that foundational work done for yourself, your ability to love yourself will reflect in your ability to love others, and your ability to help and serve others, which of course increases your ability to to be compensated for that. And so, yeah. I think you know, you can you change that joy limit, and then you'll start changing
1: all of those all of those other
0: upper limits that impact your business and and your way of life. So that's really exciting.
1: Yeah. You know, you're reminding me of a a favorite quote from a a quite a famous book, the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. When he talks about joy, he says, joy is not an emotion. Joy is the state of being that you access when the mind gets out of the way. And that the, the limits you're talking about, the self-limiting beliefs that we have are just mind stuff. They're just what we were handed by whatever culture that we grew up in and the culture we live in now. But when you take that limit away and you enter into what Tolle what in his quote, he just calls it being, joy is the state of pure being. Now to me as, as a Christian, and I think Eckhart Tolle is very aligned with what the Bible teaches personally. Um, I think of my favorite one of my favorite Bible verses, it's Psalm 1611 you lead me in the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. So I think, well, that's sort of the baseline of who God is and what reality feels like. If I'm experiencing something different, I'm just limiting by my mind and my brain what I think reality is. But totally is saying, no, when you dig down and you get quiet and you let the mind kind of do its thing and, and you get to a, what they call awareness, you become aware of this joy that's just always there. It's not just a feeling, it's a state of being. So for me, that's that's the spiritual side of what I do. I don't push that on people, but I do say, hey, you know, if you want a foundation for these practices I'm sharing with you, reality is joy. That's what it means to know what this universe is about. And it's a friendly universe. Y- Everything was created to bless you and to be for you, not against you.
0: You know, oh, that's so that's so powerful. I I spend a lot of time helping clients see that if God's given you a dream, that he's fully equipped you and resourced you to to, to fulfill it because yes. because he's a gracious and loving God and he and he and he wants the very best for his children. And and whether you believe that that's God or the universe, but the universe is on your side, right? Like all of the resources are available for you to accomplish exactly what you want when you're in that place of serving others, putting others before yourself. Yeah, and and that's such a so, so great and so obviously the church background. We talk about character in the relationship of of sin and grace. Um, in the in the business world, I I still believe character is is necessary, right? Helping somebody develop their character yeah, to the point of this this level of awareness and, and understanding, right? Um, talk to me about your view on character and, and its value in
1: yeah. others. Um, to me, character is what you do automatically without thinking. It's what you have been programmed to do. And so I'm not going to claim to have perfect character. I, <laughs> I still have a long way to go. So character is the habits you've developed over time. And habits in your brain are, um, they run 200 times faster than conscious thought. They're hardwired in. You do them without thinking. So if someone confronts you in the street and you get all hot under the collar and attack them, you didn't think before you did that. It just happened, right? Um, Character is what your people and your community have trained you to do and to be like so i'll give an example of of what the kind of character i want to train into me and the people i serve and my kids we are tender towards weakness that's a that's a character trait that that i think is a superpower it's not the knee-jerk reaction of most people um biologically physiologically we usually pounce on weakness we get predatory when we see someone who's weak, whether that weakness is them being angry because they're afraid or them being um, withdrawn, any of any display of a lack of character is weakness. And even in the church, we tend to pounce on it. We criticize it. We try to fix it rather than treating it with gentleness and um, moving into training that. Does that make sense to you when I say that? Yes. yes. So, so it Tender towards weakness, if you're, you, if you're, if that's your character trait, one of the ones you're going for, then you have to see your God as a shepherd, not as an angry judge, you see. But in the churches I grew up in, it was sort of mixed. It was like God loves you, but he's going to whack you, you know, if you don't get it right. And great book I read a couple of years ago by a friend, Steve McVeigh, called Beyond an Angry God, really set me free of seeing God that way, because how you see God is how you tend to Reproduce in your own character. So I've had to go through a transformation in how I see God and how I see me. You know, I don't use the term godly character with people I work with or in in myself. I'd rather talk about programming. Your character is your programming. Sure. Your identity is something completely different. Your identity is, I want to say this, it's foundational. Your identity is who you are in Christ. um, And it means that you're a conscious being created from love to be loving your character is how that gets expressed in your behavior and so that's is it programmed into your right brain now most of us have some crappy programming we just do oh no so, our culture
0: our culture and the church right yeah. So our our culture pretty much especially american independent spirit um mm-hmm. you earn you you know you work you got to earn your way yeah. you work and earn you work and earn right you do good, you get rewarded. You do bad, you get punished. And, That's and it, right? so it goes. It goes right along with that angry God. I know um, my parents' view of God it was very interesting. My my mother lost her mother young, and her father was uh, an abusive, angry drunk. And and so for my mother to see God as father there was a, an identity crisis there.
1: Oh yeah. And yeah. then
0: my, and then my father was always raised that same way that you spoke of, um, you know, God hates you. You're just a little sinner. You know, you, are you know, God, God doesn't want little boys like you. Um, and, yeah. and so, um, compassion, the compassion of Christ, the, the, the love of Christ and helping people really, I I worked really hard with my dad to help him understand grace. Um, yeah. and, and years of work to to help him believe you know it, it just he had a terrible self-esteem his entire life because of because of the way his parents treated him and and he had it he, he was guilt-driven to go to church rather than yeah. longing to go to church because he was learning more about this this loving God that that wants the best for him and yeah, and so, so I I understand how that programming is so so powerful, and not to say that I've got a handle on it, but I definitely understand um, helping folks transition from Old Testament God to to what Jesus did, and and the reason Jesus did it was to to make that transition right, and absolutely for business people, it, it's it starts out I, and and they all balk balk at it. Um, I, I basically you know who are you holding resentments against who do you have regrets with and who do you want revenge on yeah. and and I need to help you understand the power of forgiveness for yeah. themselves not not a conversation with that other person I don't I don't care if they ever see them again do anything with them yeah. again I but to care let about, it go from themselves I care about what's happening here yeah. um, and one of the early steps with all of my clients is that, work right there because their business decision and all their business choices are being impacted by all of those strings of regret, resentment, revenge, and yep. and all those broken relationships that they have to let go of. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for people like, oh, I just do my business and this is what I do and this is how I get paid and, and I just want more clients. It's like, <laughs> trust me, if yeah. we do this work, good things happen, um, yeah. you make better choices. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, The Entrepreneur Mindset Shift Growth Characteristics of Success by Robert C. Peterson. Available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at addvalue, the number two, life.com. Addvalue to life.com forward slash shift. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness.
1: Yeah. You know, we attract what's inside of us by default. And when we're running on autopilot from, you know, thank you for sharing about your parents. My parents are not much different. Actually, I think my parents are right now in their seventies going through the throes of a, of a, I hope an awakening and a revolution. They're suffering right now because of the lack that was there with their parents. You know, we go through life thinking, Oh I'm fine I know about grace I know God and that's true in our left brain we've learned the information but for the ha- the change to happen in our character the electrical charge of the trauma of what you just talked about has to be freed from our right brain that requires healing I I've done healing prayer for years I think hypnosis is very effective for that as well um it it requires a kind of deep reprogramming of our operating system below the the surface you know and we can think oh i'm fine as a business person but it's so easy in business and this is i think what i'm struggling right now starting a business it's so easy to jump in and then just switch right back to performance mode like i don't live in a friendly universe and god doesn't love me right and and i've got to gut it out and just grit my teeth and make this thing happen instead of remembering no 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 work is play this is fun and the more i and playful, and open, and relational with what I do, the more I will attract the very people that want to be with me in this, and will help me create the thing I want to create, you know. But it's so easy to slip back into that automated, gotta do, gotta be mindset, because it is programmed into my right brain. It was programmed in by every authority figure I ever had in my life, whether it was school, church, family, sports team it doesn't matter what and I'm not putting that down it's just that that system ultimately is not what I don't even think it's what really makes people succeed on a high level I think it has a very short shelf life because it's exhausting you know what I mean <laughs> well performance-based it, acceptance is exhausting
0: and and it you know um to use the language of someone who wrote a hundred years ago Wallace D wiles would talk about that competition versus creativity, right? That's and, right? And our culture drives that competition mindset, right? I gotta be yeah. one step above, I gotta be one step faster, I gotta be, and and there's place for that, but that's at the cost of creativity. You know, the, the church would talk about living in sin versus living in grace, and yeah. and for me, it was always helping people understand a, a different view of God that's the idea that sin separates us from God and that when you die, you're going go to go, you're going to go to hell. Yeah. Is, is is not as helpful as the idea that sin is breaking that connection, right? Yeah. You were created to have this connection. We've talked about it: connection to the ether connection to the spirit connection to yeah. God and, and living in the negative, living in resentment, revenge, living in sin. Um, breaks that connection and so you no longer have that connection to the source that we were created to have and helping people see that that what grace does is it takes away the behavior that's why grace is so different and so hard for us to understand because it's not behavior based (laughs) it's the exact opposite of behavior based and it restores that connection um with god so so the death you experience isn't isn't a physical death. It's the death of that connection, and it's a psychic, that, psychic thing. Yes, yeah. restoring that connection, um, and it's so challenging for people to to change their view of this scales right. The <laughs> I know, I know, good or bad, good and bad. You know, and as long as I'm doing more good than bad, then I'm doing okay. But yeah, we're not. That's we not what it. it's all about. It's about taking no. that scale completely out of the picture, and and. God's telling us that I love you no matter how you behave.
1: That's right. And That's right.
0: And, and, of and, course, and, and a parent, that's the that's the challenge, right? Unconditional love of your children, no matter how they behave, is really hard when you need them to behave, right? And you want you want a yeah. certain kind of behavior, um,
1: and yet well, you, you know the behavior is good for them too. That's that's a big part of it. Of you know? course, <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah. but I love them in and and of course you know. My son and both my son and daughter had pretty negative experiences that, you know, the church looks down upon or whatever. And 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 with my son, my initial reaction was 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 anger and words that I regret. And but I quickly recognized, no, wait, we've got this. We'll walk through this together no matter what. Now, yeah, this has
1: a life. This well, that's that's grace, what you just said right there, right? Right, we've yeah. taught this, we'll walk through this together. There's no separation, we'll walk this sin. Sin, I have a different definition of sin. It's not a behavior or an act, it's not knowing who you are and not knowing your connection to the matrix. To use more no. modern language for that, when you don't know you are swimming in an ocean of grace and your energy and power, and you're meant to flow that power through you into the world. When you don't know that, you do dumb stuff. And dumb stuff is the behavior because you act desperate when you think you're separate from God. You're not. And I honestly believe if you read the Bible carefully, you can see that it never says that we're separate from God. It's in our minds that we're separated from God. But the reality is we are always immersed in God. We are always one with God. We always, In fact, we are he's our source. So we flow from him. But when you don't know that, you act in this helpless, desperate way that causes you to steal, kill, and destroy because you don't know who you are. So to me, sin is, a, is not an act. It's not a, and I don't use the word sin much anymore because it's such a loaded word. But I think it's good to talk about it because it, it kind of sets us free of a lot of the stigma. You know, Sin is just not knowing who you are. And when you awaken to who you are, you know what to do you know what's next. You know how to flow. And I'm going to go back to your definition. I'm going to use your thing. We've got this and we can walk through this together. That's empowerment. That is relationship. That's joy. We have a connection. And that's grace. Grace is not God going, oh, I won't beat you up for your sins anymore. That's not grace. Grace is a river of power, of energy, of love, of joy flowing through you and out into the world. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. So we've got this we're empowered together and we can walk through whatever it is
0: it's it's kind of a
1: big, big picture
0: and that's what i think jesus intended the church to be oh yeah the church isn't this perfect place where everybody's saying well you're don't you know you don't fit you don't fit oh you know you need no. to change this before you fit no this is a place where hey we're just we're just dealing with life together
1: <laughs> and, yeah and his his way of saying it would be you're already included Now what do you want to do once you're in? Like every every outcast he spoke to, felt included, in him and in what he was doing, within seconds. And all the religious people standing around going, "You can't include them. What are you doing?" And he was like, "Oh, are you going to draw a line in the sand? Because I'm going to be on the other side of this line, standing with the person that you don't think it should be included." You know.
0: Well, and and the sad thing is, of course, human. Humanity repeats, right? And so, yeah, we do. You and I can look at the churches, a lot of churches today, and say, well, you guys are no different yeah. than the Pharisees or the Sadducees that were accusing Jesus."
1: Yeah, because he um, didn't.
0: Can, they didn't get it, right? They,
1: the religion, no, and didn't get it. They didn't. And we, we as religious people, we still didn't get it in our day and age. We're no different than them. And I want to, can I address that for a minute? Because I think sure. what I'm creating is part of something bigger in the world. I do honestly believe our culture is changing. The world is waking up and something is shifting on a big level. People are leaving churches in masses, you know, and not, I'm not putting down the church. It's just that if you don't change, if you don't grow your organization, whatever it is, people are going to walk away because you always have to be growing towards the next thing. And I, what I'm doing for my work, I want to be there for people who are in that transition, who are saying, wait, we're waking up. There's a bigger picture here. We don't need to be afraid of Hindus or Buddhists or Muslims anymore. We can actually talk with them and learn what they know about love, what they know about how the body works, what they know about all kinds of things, and we can share what we have. Um, and there's just, I think the spirit, I'm going to say it in the Christian way. I believe that this spirit is, has constantly been waking the world up and that we are, I very much hope turning point. And I see myself, I see people like you as part of that transition. We're standing here with people going, come on, I'll walk with you. We'll stay together in this. We got this, you know?
0: Wow. That's so great. I mean, so all the, the, the values, the, That i've been blessed to have is the the fact that i was able to visit so many different cultures and and so many different places and and i i was always able to just be be curious and Mm ask questions rather than yes rather than than judging and and saying i i want to understand you know buddhism and i want to understand hinduism and i want to understand muslim and 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 in a true curiosity and, and of course these are all places that that have been at war with Christians, and and so much of of our cultural relationships have been based on on war, right? And mm-hmm. and and it, even to go all the way back to the beginning, marriage relationships. I think one of the big things that has been a, a huge value for my wife and I is it's never it's never we we committed to a partnership, not a a me versus her. There's no power in our household. Right. There's no Uh, competition in our household. It's her and i Power struggle. Yeah. It's her and I on this fantastic journey in the world. And and helping helping people break that cultural idea of this battle, right? Like yes. There's a power struggle. There's a property struggle. There's a it and it it doesn't have to be that. It and and I so I love I love that you're seeing you feel like there's a movement. There's a spirit of moving and 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 I I feel that myself through business, right? I feel like I'm no longer, I I still have some really cool ministries that I do, but my business coaching is still an opportunity to serve people and to, to add value to people, no matter their faith experience. Um, And obviously my Christianity flows out of me. I can't, it's, it's part of my identity and, 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 and my, you know, experience and so there's so much value that i've received from my relationship with the lord and and being able to to put that out but that doesn't mean that you know i tell a client that well no if you don't understand this then you know you're you can't be you can't get to the next level because that's certainly not not
1: not true everybody has access to the same beautiful reality that's one of the simple things that quantum physics has showed us it doesn't matter what religion you came from you are accessing the same relationship with reality and i like that word for god can i go back to something you said though um the difference between mutual mutual relationships and sort of power struggles and just talk about that for a second because a lot of what i do is helping people move from from what i call child maturity Mm -hmm. children tend to well because they have parents they expect the parents to do everything for them and that kind of is the way it is Um, And so it's not a truly mutual adult relationship because the parent, if they're mature enough, is going to give emotionally to the child and and physically in all these different ways without expecting the child to give in return because they're a child. They're still learning. But what it means to enter adult maturity, and this happens when we start dating, is it it becomes a we. It becomes what you describe between you and your wife. It's a mutual relationship. It's not a I'll give you this if you give me that. It's not a Quid pro quo, I think, is the Latin. It's it's a we, you know. And Dan, Dr. Daniel Siegel is one of the people from UCLA who did a lot of of work in brain science and ne- neurology. And his way of talking about he calls it an interdividuality. In other words, I'm not an individual. I am the sum of my relationships. And so, when we become adults emotionally, we don't look at it us them a me you dichotomy anymore we see that everything that happens to you affects me and everything that happens to me affects you so let's um do what joy really is which is sharing a mutual mind and that gets back to the mother and baby thing when you share joy with someone you love like your wife or one of your kids you when it's really beautiful and you smile and you don't know who smiled first right or in your in a good conversation you don't really know what one person was saying what the other one was saying it's called mutual mind because there's such a deep connection between you i don't know where you end and i begin that's that's that in that mutual mind that's what adults do well and people who don't get there create organizations and religions that are not life-giving does that make sense religion is childish it's us versus them it's We can't listen to those. When in truth, if you look at Buddhism, it's, it's not trying to take anything away from Jesus or Christianity. It's actually quite compatible because Buddhism is a science of the mind and how it works and how it affects the body. So I'm going, Oh, wait a minute. This is really interesting. Maybe that's why Gandhi was who he was. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to jump into another religion. I've had enough religion with Christianity. Thank you very much. You know, (laughs) I'm serious. Like I want, I want to help people live beyond that, but I want them to move into relationship with God with each other, if that makes sense. So <laughs> absolutely. You know, yeah, I'm I mean, not rejecting any religions. I'm just saying as religions, they're kind of childish. and when we get when we move beyond them, we get to something that's much more satisfying. you know Wow, if that makes sense. Absolutely.
0: Earlier you mentioned um, a mentor. And, and what has mentor meant for your growth and for your ability to start your
1: own business? Wow, is that a big one? I wish I had had the humility and the maturity to, to seek mentors much earlier in my life. You know, some of my college professors were mentors to me and I kind of idolized them and I love that. But I didn't know to seek out people. You know, I didn't. And this this woman, Barbara Moon, mentored me in a relationship. I went to a group that she led for years and it it rebuilt my right brain in relationship with the people in that group who helped me and trained me in the things that I do now, but like right now, I've bumped into Lori Hammond, our common friend, and honestly, it feels like it goes like a good thing because we friends, and it it's a mentorship. It's like I'm in her mastermind group, that is huge for me. The people I meet in that group, every one of them, what they do is rubbing off on me, and I'm learning just from being with peers. And I look at Lori, and she's. She's down the road from where I am. She's making money. I'm not making a lot of money in my business (laughs) yet. You know, I'm just like crawling towards that. Um, I have coaching clients and I really enjoy, I think it's going really well, but it's just how do I, you know, scale it a little bigger to make it support me better. And Lori's expertise and having gone down the road before me and her emotional maturity and, and what she puts out into the world, every bit of that is something that I'm mirroring because we learn from mentors, not by what they tell us, but we watch them. We watch what they do and what, what they do. Our right brain automatically goes, Oh, that's like me. I I, I can do that. Maybe not perfectly, or maybe not exactly the way do, they do it, but I could do that. And then you, you mirror it. And, and so that's, to me, mentoring is modeling and it's a beautiful relationship. I don't know how I got so lucky to bump into Lori and, and get, this mentoring from her, but I'm, I'm extremely grateful for it. You know?
0: Well, I, I feel strongly about my relationship with her and, and, uh, and her and I got to meet, we actually met at an actual networking breakfast and uh, sat next to each other. And at the time, three years ago, it was like a hypnotist. That's a job. (laughs) (laughs) You can do that for me. But, but in my, in my coaching journey, I, I had, my mentors were had studied NLP and my mentors had studied hypnotism yes. and so yes. so I was like, oh I'm I'm calling her and like yeah. <laughs> like and and we just connected. Like she's she is she is amazing. And um yeah. my dad and I even tried to help her with like her dad's her dad's RV that was parked for 20 years and needed to move and I said I'll go take a look and see what it needs so you you know that somebody's not ripping you off and
1: now that's a true friend right there. I'll help you with your RV. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, and and it and it was I mean, for me it's something to do with, it was something to do with my dad. So my dad's in his 70s as well and and yeah. we just connect on, you know, backyard wrenching on on cars and so it's just yeah, it's just something <laughs> You're the so, kind
1: of person I like to have around. I don't have enough people like you in my life. I keep
0: tell my wife that the business has to be big enough for me to pay somebody to fix the cars. That's
1: Yes. Oh boy.
0: That's where we're that's where we're going. So
1: I like that as a goal. That's good. I'm
0: a, I'm gonna throw you a curveball. So good. what was what what was your most memorable date?
1: With my wife? Yes. I hope. Oh wow. Yes. <laughs> So my wife and I are 10 years apart and we met around 96 during the Olympics in Atlanta. Oh, She was, she was coming down here as a, um, like a youth volunteer to help kids. And this, the date I'm thinking of was years later. She, we just kind of communicated through letters and emails for years. Cause I was 10 years older than her. She was 17. I was 27. So I was like, wow. Nope, not yet. Right. <laughs> but when she was in her early twenties in college, she came visit me here and I had gotten a mountain bike for her and we went up into the mountains and um, rode up towards a reservoir above Berry college in, uh, in uh, Rome, Georgia, totally beautiful, total adventure. You know, part of it was trespassing on land. We shouldn't have been on, but it was really fun. <laughs> and I still remember photographing her and just the joy of being together and being like, Oh, this is, this is the one, like, this is really special, you know? And so, yeah, that, that probably was, it, that's a, a date that, she might not think, well, that was a date, but it, to me it was. You know, we're doing this adventurous thing. We're out in the woods. She was trying something new. It was hard for her, you know. And I'll just, I'll say it's memorable because I go back to it as a moment of appreciation in my memory, again and again. I see the beauty of her and of that moment of and the transition from kind of, I'd been engaged before, twice before that. And I was in my late 20s. And so it was like this magical moment of discovery of this relationship. And I still look back at it and remember it. So that <laughs> there's my answer on that one.
0: That's great. I, I love that. It It's just, uh, it's fun to uh, change things up a little bit. And it so, is. So tell me about your confidence. How, how have you been able to develop the confidence to Make these relationships to oh boy. To go out there and you know, meet someone like Lori to 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 make the commitment to starting your own
1: business. Yeah, you know, it's funny because when you first ask that, my first reaction is an old response, which is, Oh, I don't have confidence. I've never had confidence. And you know, Mike Mandel, the, the trainer that I did my hypnosis training with is like confidence, congruence, and what's the third C? I can't remember. Um, anyway. I do see now that I do have a level of confidence. And meeting with Lori, it was a spontaneous thing. It was just like, okay, let's do this call. And I had the confidence during the call to really walk her through a bit of a spiritual journey. So there are areas in my life where my competence is high enough that I do step up and I show up as myself. And and in coaching, I would say, if you get me one-on-one with someone, oh, I'm there, right? I'm building my confidence with groups. And I would say an area where confidence is really a stretch for me is like building a business. I don't have business training. You know, I'm on Kajabi trying to watch videos, learn how to build a website. And my whole body, I'm really good at body awareness. And my whole body gets hot. Like the minute I start watching a Kajabi training video and I'm thinking this is not that hard. Like I'm not, I'm not inept technically. It's just new for me. It's a new language. Like what is an offer? What is an OVO? What's a, you know, and I'm like, so but see so i think we move jordan peterson is a person i love to listen to he's we move from places where we have a stable foundation and we step out into chaos and for me right now kajabi is a little step out into chaos launching my group which i should be doing like tomorrow like just come on in let's start the group that feels like a step out into chaos for me i'm I have a level of confidence. I know I can do this. When I watch Lori, I'm in her groups. When I watch her lead him, my brain goes, Oh, you're made for this Charles. Like you are, this is you. I'm like, yeah. Okay. But stepping out into it as Jordan Peterson did, he, he had actually had a, an ancient picture that he took. It was a man stepping off the earth, through like through like a, a a lunar cycle into just the unknown right it's an interesting image he taught it in a college course he says he says, i think this is psychologically what life is meant to be about you stand on where you have some certainty and a foundation but you step out of that into the unknown into chaos and i'm doing that right now and it feels you know we talked about before it's like getting out of the nest like just jump god will build you wings on the way down i'm like I think I'd rather have a parachute than wings right now.
0: <laughs> the, third, the third Indiana Jones, and he's standing at the. That's right. Yes, stepping the
1: into the invisible is absolutely one of those places. And yeah, yeah. And Cour- courage is doing something that I'm not fully confident about, and courage is the level of mm-hmm. consciousness at which you move from negative to positive energy for me, and that's that's what I'm learning about. You know, having courage, which just means just do it. You know,
0: right. Yeah, courage courage is one of those things that doesn't come until you step <laughs> no
1: no and i i have so many analogies for it in my own life where areas where i do have a lot of confidence is physical things i'm a mountain biker will i go down that steep drop probably i'm a surfer will i take off on that big wave and fall out into chaos <laughs> yes probably you know but it's like the physical analogy i need to learn to bring that into my mental emotional world and sort of regulate the anxiety, regulate the overwhelm, because those are there no matter what. Every, every time you take a new step, you should expect to feel those things. And one of the reasons I teach meditation and I do a lot of meditation um, is learning to regulate those emotions of fear that do come up when you step out into the unknown. Is That's the journey, right?
0: Absolutely. So, well, yeah. I, I have the same issues with Kajabi, but I'm blessed <laughs> with, I'm blessed with a wife that's just taking it on and is just knocking it out of the park. Oh my
1: gosh! See, look at you. You got blessed with a a donor who helped you get your coaching training. You get a wife. You now I do have a wife who's willing to help me, but she's building her own business with deterra essential oils, so she's not as I, I have to look elsewhere. And I do have I'm um, That's one of the things I've learned this year in in my coaching training. Is I read a book called Who Not How. I can't yeah. remember the author. Right, but. If I'm struggling to do something, I also need to have the relational courage and confidence to ask somebody who maybe is good at this or has more knowledge than I do, hey, can you can you help me with this? And it may be somebody I have to pay, but it may also be someone who just loves to offer their help, their advice, oh, you know.
0: Lori's been terrific with every question we can't figure Jesus. out. <laughs> She's
1: amazing. Yeah. You're encouraging me to ask her more cuz she does. She answers my questions too.
0: She just sends us a loom video. Do this and this and this and this and this. I there know. you go.
1: <laughs> I think what we need to learn is that people with knowledge it's not a burden for them to share. They like oh. sharing their knowledge, you know.
0: Absolutely
1: and yeah. it's a joy. It, it really is a joy to share what you have with other people. And in my business, I mean, one of the things I haven't learned yet to be good at is how to turn a profit, make money. But it's like I want to give everything away, you know. I love giving my knowledge and and the value I have away, but learning to actually assign a value to it and say, "Yes, I want to receive what Lori calls notes of appreciation, which is dollar signs. Right. I want to receive that so I can make a living doing this. And in Tony Robbins' language, the better you get at this, the more people you can serve, and Absolutely. and make a bigger and Absolutely. and it really the more money you make, literally help, allows you to serve more people on a higher level. I never saw that before in ministry. I was way too short-sighted with that. Like I could have served a lot more people if I could see. And it's okay to give it away, but it's also okay to really find a way to make it profitable, so that you can serve more people, and and that's satisfying to your heart.
0: You and know? God will honor God will honor that transition. Um, oh yeah, made, the way
1: God works. I made the
0: same transition, right? For me, I've always given away counseling, especially because my time counseling was never my primary role, but I was always paid, so I always had a I always had a salary. So counseling was always free, like. Yeah. So I always counseled couples and marriages, did mediation. And, you know, I'm, I'm fully I'm a fully certified Christian mediator um, right. and did all of those things for free. And so for me, I had the same transition. Right. How do I how do I charge somebody, you know, one hundred dollars an hour? I don't I preached I preached for free to, you know, 500 people. Right. As part of my salary. But now I'm going to go do this company speech for wait. I'm going to charge a thousand dollars for an hour. Okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> wow, and you put it out there like, you know, yeah. I, I even asked my wife. So, how much should I charge for this? She's like, thousand dollars. I'm like, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's a big transition. Asking for what we're worth and knowing we're are worth and valuing what we're putting out in the world is huge for me. And that's a spiritual journey because I had a God growing up that saw me as worthless. I'm just going to say that that way. Okay. The idea of original sin and everything that went with that and the culture taught you you're worthless until you receive Jesus. And if you receive Jesus, then God will let you into heaven. Well, that's crap. That's not Christianity. It's what most people think it is, but it's not, right? God actually valued you infinitely from before the foundation of the world. And Jesus coming and dying for you was just a way of him proving your worth to you. Okay, now I'm preaching. I got to back it up because this is actually, I mean, My point, though, is that this is about business, because when you know that you have infinite worth within yourself, anything you give to anyone else is just an expression of that infinite worth, right? But at the same time, you can highly value what you give to other people. You can realize that what you're giving them is is pure gold. You know, Jesus says, don't cast your pearls before swine. Maybe as business people, we need to realize that and say something like this. If I charge $100, $200 an hour for coaching, um, or even more, some people charge more than that, the people who come will be highly valuing what they get. And what they're valuing is not just my time. I am giving my time. What they're actually valuing is their own transformation. That's the way I've learned to see it. And you can't even put a price tag on that. Like if you didn't do that $5,000 coaching training, I mean it was probably worth more than $5,000 yeah. because it's got you on a whole new path of life. How do how much do you value that, you know? Or with a married couple that I'm teaching about joy, you know, if they come and it's free, will they do the homework? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. Most people don't. Right. If they come and they pay a lot of money and they realize we are going to make this transition, we're going to invest in our marriage, then they won't just invest the money, they'll invest the time, the energy into really making it you know, worth what they're paying for it. That's when the real transformation comes when they do the work, you know?
0: Absolutely. And, and it's true. If you don't value it, how can your clients value it?
1: Yeah. And if you, if you don't value it to charge for it, they can't value it. And then you're not helping them because the higher you value it, the more they'll value it. And the more transition, this goes back to a simple principle in hypnosis, which is hypnotic prestige. I'll talk about, people in our culture who have hypnotic prestige if a doctor tells you you have cancer and you believe him and you've got six months to live you'll probably die in six months why not because the cancer killed you but because the doctor which you totally believe and trust told you that and on his authority your body goes into this now other people might believe differently about that but doctors have incredible authority and hypnotic prestige well if you're a coach and you're just kind of like giving your services away, when you tell someone to do something or to change something, do you have any of that prestige? Are you going to be able to help them make the shift? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't know, you know. So the more congruent you are with your own value, and, and I'm saying this to myself as well, the more other people can actually benefit from, from that. So it's like that infinite value that you know you have in yourself you're helping them see it in themselves and that it's also empowering them to make a change, you know?
0: Nice. Absolutely. So share with us the the challenge of raising a family and, and starting a business.
1: (laughs) Uh, We've learned, we've learned to be really content with what we have and, And we have plenty and and that's where the gratitude comes in. I look around me and I see we have a house. We have a good place to live. We have bicycles and we get to go on some vacations and do, is it as much as everybody else? No, but comparison is the thief of joy. So I've I've not learned not to compare and we don't spend more than we make. We just don't. Um, I've never made a ton of money being in ministry, but we've been quite happy. We've done quite well. And, um, Yeah, learning the Dave Ramsey way of doing life, you know. And I think that for me, there's actually a transition happening where I'm moving into more of an abundance mindset and saying, yes, but I don't have to stay in that mindset of lack and we'll just make do. I can actually start to trust God, the universe, to provide for me enough that I can spend more on my business, on things I want to do. I can get coaching. um, I can. Buy the things that my family wants. For years, we had paddle boards, but we had broken paddles. I finally got around to buying all new paddles. it may sound silly, like it's like two hundred bucks. yeah, but to me, that was a lot of money. I am learning to shift that mindset. and my one of my trainers in joy is Dr. Jim Wilder. um he works with an organization called Life Model. And he taught me a long time wow. ago that what God wants us to understand as the one who provides abundance for us is that we will always have more than enough and some to share. Now that has stuck with me because it's an abundance mindset. It's knowing, you know, you might not think you have everything you want. You know, I don't have every single thing that I'm dreaming of having financially, but I have more than enough right now. It doesn't mean I can't build it and grow it and have prosperity. I can, but even now I have some to share. And so having a mindset of someone who's like, if someone's in need, I can help them out from what I have. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so that kind of meant, brings up the power of contribution. Yes. What, what does contribution mean for you and, and for the idea of having more to share?
1: Yeah. Wow. That's a big one. Um, contribution, which I learned from studying Tony Robbins and just tapes and things that he gave. It's one of the highest spiritual needs. Um, we all have the need to grow. Continuously, which I'm growing a lot right now because I'm doing things that I don't even know how to do, which is cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, contribution. I used to think of contribution as a thing that God was trying to force out of me, that the world expected of me. You have to help people. You have to serve people. And it didn't feel good because I wasn't coming from a place of abundance and giving that into, into the world. So it didn't feel satisfying to give. What I've learned is that how I see myself as someone who's constantly growing Healing, learning, and I have something to share. Well, that feels good to contribute, even for free. You know, um, it it feels good to put what I've been given out into the world. And so, I think over the past couple of years, I've been making a transition into that contribution mindset, and and really learning what Tony Robbins meant by that. It is really satisfying to serve other people, um, and and serving just means giving the the soul level benefit that you have the energy the joy the sometimes it's it's valuable information and training all those different things that when you put them out into the world you don't get smaller because you you give that stuff out there you get bigger you know now if you find a way to monetize it which you should because the more you make off it the better you can do it and the more you can do it well then that's making an even bigger contribution and I, i'm just learning to see it that way that is not the mindset that I grew up with, you know, not nice, at all, you know, what
0: a great place to be
1: headed. It is, it's good. And, and, and it's a process. It's a journey. Each time I find myself thinking in the old way, I go, wait a minute. That is not who I am. That is not how I think. And I have to take the steps to to act differently each time, you know, nice. Yeah.
0: All right, Charles, here's the big one. What is what is your big dream?
1: Mm, you mean like like practically what would I like to see have happen where's your business going yeah yeah so what I would ultimately like 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 to have is is a an online community big enough and healthy enough emotionally healthy enough to really have people committed to that and loving it building their joy capacity through it, and and even serving each other, like I see happening in Lori's community. She brings the joy to that community and everybody interacts in that environment. So the big dream for me is to create the kind of community that feels emotionally healthy, mature, and when immaturity comes into that community, it's not rejected and pushed out, it's embraced and healed and caused to grow. Okay, so that's kind of an, a vision kind of thing, right? But if you want to talk about like what I want to build, I would love – I have a, another friend in Lori's community, Barry, um, Barry Cohen Butt from Canada. He said, my dream is to have a place in Costa Rica. Well, since I was in college, I've wanted to have a retreat center, and I would. I want the online community, but I want to write books because I have books in me, uh, both novels and kind of more joy-training-based books. But I also dream of having a place where people can come and just be and learn these things and grow in them. And Costa Rica seemed like a good place as any. I've dreamt about that since college. So that's kind of you know, down the road. I tell my wife, I want to move to Costa Rica. She goes, you can have fun there by yourself because I'm not going to Costa Rica. And I'm like, well, okay, we'll have to work on that. How about Hawaii? I don't know. <laughs> well, but, my wife and I lived in Costa
0: Rica for a year, so I get it. Did
1: you? Yeah, yeah. I see One of my deepest heart values is what I call the beauty of shared adventure. That's one of the things I learned in my journey of joy that I really value wonderful things like mountain biking, surfing, things you physically do that help you overcome fear and break out of old ways of seeing. And then I love to share that with people. I'm a cyclist, you know, and I do a lot of my coaching with like friends out on the road so I could. I could de- see myself developing something that is very hands on experiential um, nice. where you actually meet face to face and do this stuff together. So
0: that is that is so great. Yeah. All right. So I, I started ending all my calls by giving you the chance to share Charles's words of wisdom to the young entrepreneur sitting across from you. What, what <laughs> you say is
1: the last the last word. <laughs> In my case, I am the young entrepreneur sitting across from me, so I'm going to say what I need to hear. Just do it. The biggest thing is that you keep going. And I'm speaking to myself. No matter how triggered you get, anxious you get, discouraged you get, keep going. Pick yourself up, do the next thing. You know, Lori Lori Hammond has taught me what the way I thought about it was this, the way she said it was this way, what can I do in the next 30 seconds that will move me forward, no matter how small, you know? You know, and one of my big questions I ask myself towards that just do it thing, I think this was from God. What would I be doing right now if I wasn't worried about the outcome? Like, and I just do that thing. Like once you clear worry out of the way and you start functioning in joy, keep going back to that joy and let the joy fuel you in that journey. That's my advice to myself and to anybody else who's listening.
0: That's fantastic. Thank yeah. you so much. I appreciate your time and your wisdom. And then
1: this has just been so great. So Thank you, Robert. This was awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. Really good to be with you.
0: If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's a d d mindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com In our next episode, Patrick Huey and I discuss history and the lessons that can be learned from our past and used to create a better future in finance and in business. Patrick has combined his love of history with his desire to help others and uses stories from our past to teach business and finance concepts